Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. Ladies and ladies, babes and trolls, this is a tough one. Um, it is a mini-sode, so it won't take you long to listen to, but it might be hard to hear. Um, for the past 18 months, I've been doing a pretty grueling path of self-healing that I feel like I would like to be um, gradually more transparent about. Um, and I want you to get to know me. Um, I want you to see me and I want to see you. Um, and I think that starts by telling the story of what happened. Um, so I want to give a content warning in advance for this one. Um, I will be talking about my own experience of sexual assault. I will not go into detail, but I will, it could be triggering to survivors and I want you to know that. So please, um, either sit this one out or just choose your time appropriately. Um, I think it's important to, I think it's important to have these conversations and to share this space with one another. Um, I just really don't fucking know another way, um, to heal other than to share and to hope that, um, bumping up against my story will turn on some light bulbs for you in regards to your own. Um, that's my hope. And that's all that, that's all that Millenniagram really exists for. I think I've been trying to hone the vision of what this is and what we are doing here for a while. And I always come back, um, to the, idea of survival stories, which when I put it in my book, I truly don't even think I knew what I meant by that originally. Um, but the more that I do, um, like intensive therapy and then also my badass girlfriend, Rebecca, who has taught me a lot about internal family systems and what's going on inside of us, like the conversations that we always are having with ourselves. Um, but like, we have different parts who are playing devil's advocate and arguing one with one another and being in conflict with each other. And I just have never had the language for what the fuck was going on in that experience. Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, internal family systems and what that means to me and how it has helped me through uh, my own journey. Um, oh God, I hate that fucking word journey. And I swear to God... <laughs> you can take the evangelical church out of the bitch, but you cannot take the bitch out of the evangelical language. Fuck. Um, anyhow, I hope that um, you have the space to listen to this, and I can't wait to hear your stories, too. Malibu by Miley Cyrus always brings it right back. I feel the ocean breeze. I smell salt. It is still my favorite sensation, but now... The peace blends with grief. There's a sharpness, a quiver in my eye. 
I felt really powerful that day. I felt like I could do anything. In retrospect, it wasn't real agency coursing through my veins. It was a frenetic, kind of seductive energy that had been my consolation prize in place of real power or real agency. That feeling of, I can do anything, was really the feeling of, I can get anybody to do anything. It was the only kind of power that I felt was afforded to me as a woman. The power to seduce others into doing what I wanted to do by making them think it was their idea. Survival story. Men will give me power. I don't want to tell this story with the other people in it. Because to be frank, it wasn't their story. It was the story of a body that had never been mine. In fact, she had been conditioned for the better part of three decades to believe that she could not and should not be her own. She belonged to her dad, to God, to the church, to Jesus, to the ministry, and most of all to men. My image triad spirit internalized all of this information and decided to react rebelliously, while still, deep down, kind of believing these things to still be inherently true. A friend had called me an agent of chaos, and that I was. I was inextricably tied to a system of oppression I could not seem to free myself from. But, like a teenager who doesn't trust themselves or their parents, I kept rebelling against it to see how the system would react. Survival story. I am not my own. I saw him across the bar and our eyes locked in mutual lust. If I had known I would be staggering through the bowels of a concrete apartment complex desperately for a way out that night, my limbs lurching, my eyesight failing, I would have hauled my lavender bikini-clad ass and run right the fuck out. At least that's what I believe now. But safety had never been my friend. She had never seemed attainable and was therefore kind of unworthy of my time and attention. I also believed the real danger was back there, where the repression and the restriction was, that my casual, free-spirited approach to love and connection would bring the same energy back to me. I downed another peanut butter shot and scooted closer to his seat at the bar. Survival story. Safety is a ruse. I often replay every second that I can remember from that night. I'm used to stepping over the little memory gaps with a sigh. I've tried to smooth out those wrinkles one too many times. When I do replay it, I wonder if the red flags were there or if I could have seen them at the time. They're clear to me now. Too much alcohol. A stranger in a Jeep. The beach alone at sundown. His apartment. Still alone. The bong. The blackout. Throwing on his t-shirt when I couldn't find mine. The chase. The lifts abandoning me as I desperately tried to make my mouth form words. To make my eyes direct me up the stairs and out to the street to make my legs carry me to the curb. Survival story. Flight, and then freeze. I've been frozen for three years now. A lot of things broke in me that night. We talk about assault like it's a one-and-done kind of situation. And yes, the physical pain was significant, but what followed was arguably worse. My alcohol intake increased until I couldn't make it through an evening without half a bottle of wine. I sought out darker and more dangerous sexual situations while simultaneously living in constant fear of being out of the house past sunset. I sat outside of concerts I had spent months looking forward to, shaking in my car for fear of the expansive parking lot between me and the venue. I grew an inexplicable aversion to drinking water. I didn't want to be able to feel anything coursing through or inside of me. I hated that sensation. I spent most workdays shuddering under the fluorescent light of the soulless office and weeping in my cubicle. I didn't take a single day off work. 
I burnt down relationships, searching desperately for a belonging I couldn't find in my body before, if indeed I ever had. Survival story. If I relive that night, I can change the outcome. The person that emerged from this disaster was not the same one that went into it. This was the person who wrote Millenniagram. Dark, drunken, hiding, empathy and connection draining from my body. The fact that any self-energy can be felt from it at all is a testament to myself's persistence and resilience. Survival story. Just push the fuck through. Underneath the decisions, the failures, the physical sensations of this story is the narrative tapestry, the collection of carefully woven survival stories told by my parts based on their limited experience and informed by pain. I notice that many of them have different efficiencies. Some of them are trying to secure and protect my image and reputation. Some of them are trying to outrun or outsmart the fear gripping them or nipping at their ankles as they run. Some of them are trying to take control and manage the situation before it manages me. Chris Hewitt says that the Enneagram isn't necessarily about seeing the truth of ourselves, but remembering what was lost. So that's what I've done. I've spent the past 18 months following those narrative threads back to their beginning, like a parent trying to figure out what need their incoherent baby's tantrum is pointing back to. My therapist asked me to envision a lake, surrounded by dams, keeping the water inside. This lake represents self, and self gets to decide which dams get opened up and when. One by one, as I trace these trauma narratives back to their source, I meet myself at a variety of ages, where I first internalize the untruth this part likes to tell me. I ask this part to come sit at the shore of my lake, our lake, and dip their toes in and just tell me about it. Sometimes they like to chill back, just behind the tree line, watching me, suspiciously. Sometimes they'll come out and sit, but coldly, and with their backs turned to me, dramatically, the way kids do. These parts have been trying to protect me, and the coping mechanisms they've come up with are proof of that. The part urging me to drink is trying to give me rest and fun. The part urging me to reenact trauma is trying, albeit horrifically, to give me a new ending. I never would have believed you if three years ago you told me I'd be here writing this song. But here I am digging myself out with you. My hope is that as I tell my own survival stories, it will give you the courage to tell your own. It is scary as fuck to trace those stories back to their origins. May your gods and your guides give you strength and tenacity. I believe in a future where self-healing is cumulative, where my healing inspires yours, which inspires theirs. We mirror to one another the possible. All right, so for those of us um, who are like, what the fuck are these parts that you speak of? Um, I'm just going to give a super, super like cursory version of what internal family systems is. I know that I've been talking a lot about it in regards to the Enneagram and trying to make those connections. And I'm going to continue to do so because I really think that the more um, we see ourselves not just as one number, but a sum of many parts, um, the more that we will really be able to make more sense of the conversations going on inside our heads, our bodies, and our hearts. Um, so internal family systems is kind of this, it's a, it's a therapeutic modality um, that is invested in... Um, helping us to find 
true self, which is essentially like our own true north. Um, IFS says that the true self is curious, calm, connected, compassionate, and centered. Um, And so essentially the self has no agenda. The self is our, um, is something that we are born with and that we can have access to. um, But we often have a lot of parts in the way um, of really connecting with others from a place of self and connecting with ourselves from a place of self. Um, so our parts that I talk about a lot are, um, versions of us that are true, that exist, um, kind of stuck in a particular moment in time. So, um, a lot of times a part will tell me, um, that I'm unlovable. Okay. We'll say that for example. So, of course, that's a horrible thing to hear, but I probably, when I hear a message like that, I know that's not coming from self. So I can kind of, um, with calmness and compassion, um, ask the part speaking up about me being unlovable and ask them, hey, where did you hear that? Who told you that? Where did that first internalize for you? Um, and they don't parts don't always want to answer right away, but I find that if you can, um, sit with patience, um, and show them that you are a dependable, um, adult that they can trust that, um, over time they can kind of open up and share that with you. Um, so there's a bunch of different kinds of parts that we can have internally, and I'm not going to go into all of those right now. Um, they can be broken up into, um, firefighters. So essentially they're those parts that are trying to find like really short-term fixes, um, because they believe that everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Then we have managers who are often these kind of more like older sibling parts protecting the third kind that are exiles. So they are these sweet little baby parts that are very vulnerable and unprotected and probably believe really horrible things about them, about themselves. And they probably don't have um, the ability to navigate life at all. So a lot of times when we feel like we've reverted back to this childlike state and we are um, absolutely directionless and hopeless, um, that's often an exile part coming to the surface and giving us kind of that helpless feeling. So the managers are often protecting those exile parts. Um, It's really important to... um, I think that the, I think the work of talking to your parts can happen outside of therapy, um, but I think that um, it helps a lot to have someone who is a professional therapist kind of leading you through that process and holding that self space for you when you get blended. So um, essentially when a part takes over and you don't have any space from the scary or sad or, um, fearful message that they're giving you. Um, so yeah, that's essentially like, that's essentially the, the basis of IFS, like the very, very like one oh one oh one oh one. Um, 
And what I'm realizing is that as I sort of unearth the stories that these parts have told me, um, they often kind of correlate to different Enneagram numbers in terms of the energy and the the perspective and the stance that they kind of take towards the world and towards themselves. Um, and it really, I think, adds a whole rich nuance to understanding of Enneagram and understanding of one's own type. Um, so that's a conversation that I want to have <laughs> with all of us. Um, and I realize that's kind of a lot to take in, but I do think that we can get into it. I do think that um, through kind of combing through the threads of our own survival stories that we can begin to heal ourselves and then in turn heal one another. And so keep an eye out because survival stories is going to become a more um, talked about piece for me in um, my writing, in the podcast, in um, on Instagram and Twitter. Like I just, I want to get into that more. So look out for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this space with me. I know that these are not um, easy topics to delve into. I, you know, the first time that I heard about IFS, I was truly overwhelmed. And also it sounded like a little fucking kooky. Um, So go gently, go cautiously. Don't take my word for shit. Google everything. Um, And Let's have those conversations when y'all are ready. Thank you. Oof. Okay. That was a lot. Um, But I believe in us. Um, I want to continue this conversation because I feel like we gave you some cool tidbits and now we need to go out into the world. We need to work this shit out. We need to see how it all plays into our lives, into our numbers, into our interactions with the people around us. So hit me up on Twitter at Hannah Posh, H-A-N-N-A-H-P-A-A-S-C-H. And let's talk about what respect and control look like in both our parenting relationships, in our reparenting relationships with our younger selves and how that plays out. Hit me up. Let's keep the conversation rolling, folks. I'm excited. We out.